0: Hello, my name's Adrian Goldberg and thank you for downloading episode one of Coronavirus Stories. This is a podcast series that aims to tell the human stories behind the sometimes, frankly, scary headlines about the pandemic gripping the world. If you've got a story to share, please get in touch. You can email Radio at gmail.com for episode one to Madrid, the Spanish capital and Noel Acheson.
1: I came to Madrid... To work in fund management. I come from the finance sector originally, and I came for three years. That was my plan, and that was 27 very happy years ago. I fell in love with Madrid. I fell in love with the Madrileño, and the rest, as they say, is history. I don't work in fund management anymore. I left that when my first son was born. I then set up one of the first e commerce companies in Spain back in the year 2000, which is dinosaur years for Spain, seriously. There were five of us at the time, I think. Spain's like behind everywhere else. is an advantage sometimes. You can get inspiration from other areas. I sold that company in 2013, decided to spend a bit of time reading to try and get my brain working again because burnout, total burnout. And I'm interested in finance, and in technology. So I kept hearing about this thing called Bitcoin. And then I started reading about what Bitcoin was. I watched a video online. I got goosebumps and I haven't looked back since. I now am director of research for Coindesk, which is the leading media resource for cryptocurrency and blockchain-related news in the sector.
0: Reading a blog that you wrote about your confinement, you said you've got some Spanish heritage as well, I think.
1: I don't. I married a Spaniard. I married a Spaniard with international experience. My husband was born in Southampton, of all places, and has actually lived... First person I'd met that lived in more countries than I had, but he's Spanish. He's very Spanish, and our kids are Spanish, and we're proud to be Spanish, and I'm contemplating getting a Spanish passport as well. And uh, proud to be here, as far as I'm concerned. I never thought I'd find anywhere I wanted to stay. I love moving. I love change. I've done it all my life. But I just fell in love with Madrid. It's such a wonderful city to live in, not just because of the architecture, not just because of the blue, blue, blue sky, and not just because of the warmth and humanity of the people, but because of the chaos and the noise and the imperfections and the overreactions sometimes, but the deep level of community that I've never seen anywhere else
0: well wow, that's an impressive testimony but i guess that sense of community and the the splendor of the place uh, coming under challenge at the moment because of coronavirus just tell us how it's impacted upon you and your fellow madrileños <laughs>
1: It was a stunning. I got to be honest; it was totally stunning. We knew that there were problems coming. I was supposed to fly to London to speak at a conference on beginning of March, and I ended up backing out two days before I was due to fly out, which I hated doing. You have no idea how much I hated doing that because it was going to be a good event, and I was going to see a lot of people I hadn't seen for a while, but. Back then, I started seeing that Madrid had maybe 200 confirmed cases, but that was more than the entire UK put together. I thought, this something's happening here. It doesn't seem right. I wasn't worried about myself. I'm young. Well, okay, I'm not young. I'm young-ish, and I'm definitely healthy, but I was worried about other people being worried about me being there because Madrid was starting to be mentioned as as a place with rapid growth. It was... 200. It was nothing compared to what we have now. And when I saw that Israel had blocked any passengers from Spain, that's when I thought, I I just can't. It's not fair to the other attendees if I go. So I'm very, very relieved that I backed out. It was a hard decision to make, but the right one in retrospect.
0: So you didn't want to be a a carrier, an accidental carrier of... of
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And even if I wasn't, again, I'm feeling well. I know that's not an indicative necessarily, but I didn't want anyone to be nervous that I might be. It might make other people uncomfortable. And there's always that fear and that doubt. And from what had happened, started happening in Madrid, I could see this starting to happen in the UK as well. We all have a sort of normalcy bias. We all think, nah, this is nothing really. Things will be fine until suddenly they're not. But that's because we have this normalcy bias, which we actually kind of need to get through the day, right? But um, it was, in the end, a wise decision because things accelerated that weekend. I mean, Spain didn't start to talk about lockdown even until quite a few days later. But, man, did it happen fast. The number of reported cases in Madrid started accelerating exponentially. The number of reported cases in Spain, the same. London started to have some upticks, although fewer. And it, I think the numbers just speak for themselves. We were today i'll give you some numbers today we blew past i think we're past 11,000 now we're the fourth largest uh, we have the fourth largest number of confirmed cases in the world we blew past south korea and i was talking to somebody earlier today who has the symptoms but they're not severe. I mean, he's got the fever, he's got the aches, he's got the cough, but he's not getting tested in Madrid because they're not severe, which makes sense. Let's say there's tests for the severe cases, right? And then he was talking to one of the health officials which says that the number of conf- of number of reported cases, not confirmed cases because of lack of testing, the number of reported cases is actually above twenty thousand. So that also casts doubts on the other figures that we're seeing from the other centres. But it doesn't actually really matter. What's important here is just this speed of the escalation
0: and you've got a a teenage daughter as well
1: i think she's just finishing her last year of school and just before we went on the air adrian she came to me sort of wide-eyed and said that she's heard from a couple of sources that the a levels have been cancelled and again this is totally unconfirmed but she's heard it from two sources she has to go to university her she and her friends from school are obviously very concerned these exams that they've been preparing for for 2 years to get into the universities of their choice may not happen
0: so she was about to sit her her last mock entrance exam for university yeah
1: yeah she did the mocks they closed the schools here in spain last week i'm if i sound hesitant because it actually was like yes it was last week it just feels like a lot longer ago it was last week so she did her last exam the day before they closed the schools and Maybe the mock exams are what they're going to use for the entrance, which is slightly unjust because mock exams are the trial. They're not the real thing. They're there to test you and see what you need to improve on. They're not the real thing. But, you know, this these are tough times. These are unfair times, and we all do what we need to do. She'll be fine. I'm not worried about her. But I worry about her and her friend's levels of stress. I mean, you and I probably have a certain level of stress, but... You know, we're not young. We've had a, lot, we've got our careers more or less sorted. Our future is not as uncertain as theirs are, and that's an entirely different level of stress. When you don't even know if you are going to have a university, obviously we know they will. We know they will, but they don't know that. This is all so frightening and new for that age group.
0: Yes, and on Friday, the first ever. Let's get our heads around this. The first ever state of alarm was announced yeah. in Spain by the Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez. How enormous did, did that feel?
1: It's wartime. The first ever, I mean, that is wartime right there. That was designed to help us through conflict situations. And we've been talking about this at work quite a lot also. We have to get our heads around The fact that we are at war, but the enemy this time doesn't have a face, and that makes it even a bit more frightening. So, yes, it was unnerving. People started to get unnerved here, spooked, I would say, when schools were cancelled. Up until then, normalcy bias, things go on. Spain, especially Madrid, very social community, very... Out on the streets, very kiss kiss. Very go to the bar and hang out with your friends. Very, this isn't really my problem. I'm not going to change my life habits. And you know, got to be honest, I one of the things I love about the Spanish is their their love of life. They're not going to ch- they're not going to change their love of life for anything. I can love that, but at the same time, I can also realize this is maybe not the most sensible approach right now. But you know, humanity does what it, does its thing, and I still say that the Spanish sense of community is absolutely staggering but yes we started to get unnerved when schools were closed I confess I started to get a bit unnerved when schools were closed and my daughter and her friends and the younger kids especially this is a big thing for them something's happening mummy. what's happening I'm I'm blessed I'm lucky in that my daughter's old enough to do a lot she probably knows more about this than I do now but younger kids again I think about what what they must be wondering anyway we got unnerved then we started to get even more unnerved when Word started trickling down, rumors started filtering that Madrid had asked the national government to lock down Madrid and the national government had said no. We were hearing this on the Thursday. say so schools closed on the Wednesday. We're hearing this on the Thursday. and then on Friday we realized that yes, we're in a state of alarm, this is a national emergency and then on Saturday, national lockdown. And that is staggering. It's actually so staggering that it's taken some time for the Spanish to understand. We look, I look out the window and the first couple of days you would see people out for a walk. You'd see kids on their scooters and you're thinking, what are they doing? But what they're doing is muscle memory. What they're doing is what the Spanish do. As in work, you know, life, we've got to go out and live. We're not going to let something like this get in our way. And what does that
0: lockdown actually mean then in practice?
1: It means that you are not allowed out except for certain circumstances. Those circumstances include going to the supermarket, those circumstances include going to the pharmacy the obviously the doctor if you need to the hospitals the vets vets are open and you are allowed to walk your dog you are allowed to go to work if you have to and you are allowed to go and take care of someone in other words if you are a caregiver then you're allowed to um as they say here you're allowed to go out of your house and go to that where you're supposed to be taking care of someone i forget how you say that in english and this is at one stage for some reason you're also allowed to go to the hairdresser they eventually trying to figure out why that is a national right but anyway they eventually took that off that's no longer one of the reasons you're allowed to go out and to be able to go to work and to be able to go and do something any of other of those anything outside of those established reasons you do need to have some kind of certificate something that you can get online but you need to be able to produce a um, a justification if you're stopped by the police
0: and what if you can't
1: you are fined. You are fined a minimum of 1,500 euros, and it could go as high as 600,000 I think you're really up to something. Wow. I know. This is, this is what the national state of alarm does. It gives the police these special powers. And the national, the state of alarm overrides the local police force. In other words, the national government now can control the local police forces. This is wartime. I mean, this this is what they were to do were we to be in a war. But see, here's the thing also. If we were in a war... The Spanish would still continue going to the bars. They'd still be out on their scooters. I mean, that wouldn't change. There'd be fear, but nothing would get in their w- in the way of their daily habits, their need to be with each other, the sense of community that they have. Nothing would get in the way of that. But this is everywhere, and it doesn't have a face, and we don't really know what we're fighting against. So this is unnerved. This is unnerved everybody, particularly.
0: Does anybody? in Madrid, anybody in Spain say, look, there is an argument here for civil liberties, or is the, the scale of what we're up against, is it so great that people just say, generally, actually, you know what, we accept that we need these restrictions?
1: Both, both. There's definitely both. We are all in this together. We are a community. There's a lot of solidarity, a lot. But at the same time, you know, people will be people, and political parties will be political parties, and there are fractures. For instance, the king is due to give a speech in 12 minutes, and we're speaking at 10 to 9, at 12 minutes to 9, and he's due to give a speech at 9 nine p.m. on today, which is the 18th of March. And I specify that because I'm not sure when this episode will drop, and at the same time, a protest has been scheduled. Anyone who is against the monarchies to go to their balcony or window and bang pots and pans. And you've got to ask yourself, really, now? Now's the time you want to do that? I mean, solidarity surely has to have some value. You can protest, sure, but now?
0: Mm. Uh, one thing I know from my visits to Madrid, which is a city I have a great deal of affection for, is perhaps more than any other city in Europe that I have been to, is the love of partying of madrileños yes. and <laughs> yes. evenings not starting which very late by british standards 10 11 o'clock in the evening but people then going on very happily until 4 and 5 a.m. An incredible Absolutely. joie de vivre in the in the I've, place. Been,
1: I've been in traffic jams at 4 in the morning <laughs> only in madrid
0: but i mean so psychologically this scale yeah. of lockdown this scale of restriction it, it, i mean it, it it may be coming here to the UK and it's pretty scary in its way. But for people who are as naturally gregarious as the Spanish and as 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 so party loving as the Madrilenos, this must actually be incredibly difficult psychologically to get your head around.
1: It is, but it is very much so. But and there's a fascinating but here. We find a way, and by we, I, I consider myself Spanish in this. We find a way. The first night of the lockdown, word went out. It was mentioned on the news programs and lots of WhatsApp messages were being spread around that at 10 p.m., everyone in Spain is to go to their balcony or window and just clap, applaud the health workers, just celebrate the health workers. Okay, no problem, We've got, we're we going to do that. So 10 p.m., it ended up being a lot more than that. 10 p.m., somebody on our street cranked up the national anthem. Everyone was out there on their balcony applauding, waving to each other, cheering, saying, Viva España, we can do this, we got this. Woo! I mean, it was a celebratory atmosphere. It really was. That was the first night. Same thing has happened the second night the third night, and just now, the fourth night, or maybe we're in the fifth, I don't remember, but I do know that it's happened every single night so far. No diminishing enthusiasm for this. Seriously, it's now moved to eight o'clock because somebody thought, hey, let's get the kids involved, which makes certain sense. Eight o'clock tonight, I had to jump out of a work meeting, in fact, because no way am I missing this. Someone cranked up the national anthem, and there we all were, just waving to each other and applauding and looking across the street at each other, saying, yeah, we're in this together. And last night, again, to give you an idea of how the Spanish find a way, I have the great fortune to get on very well with the neighbors across the landing. And we decided, let's have a drink. So we opened our front doors. We marked off these distance that we have to stay from each other. We dragged out some chairs and some candles and we sat there with our beers having a very nice and safe catch up.
0: Incredible stuff. And Spain in general, Madrid in particular, does have memory of pretty tragic times in the past at the start of this century. It was targeted by Islamist extremists, of course, and there's the the memory, I suppose, the folk memory of the Spanish Civil War and so on. So people in Spain are used to hard times. But the kind of scenes that you're describing are an incredible testament to the the human spirit and and the Madrileno spirit.
1: Even going back to the financial crisis, which hit Spain arguably harder than most other European countries, it was bad here for a while. We we got to 45% unemployment at one stage. It was really bad. But at the height of the crisis, I remember going out on a date with my husband and we're walking around, Very cheap date, it was the crisis, right? But we're walking around downtown afterwards and the bars were full. The terrazas were buzzing. People were holding hands, calling to each other. Waiters were waving in and out the crowds. Little kids were running between legs. And I remember thinking back then, a lot of these people don't have a job and everyone's scared for their economic future, but damned if they're going to miss their vermouth on a Saturday evening with their friends. And I remember thinking back then, I love the Spanish spirit. And that's why to see this confinement imposed on the Spanish people now is stunning. Uh, The stunning is the word is necessary. And the fact that we are collectively embracing this is also a testament to how much we care about others. But it's hard to underestimate what a big psychological shift this is for the Spaniards. If even in a war, we're still going to go out and be with our loved ones, even in the heights of the worst economic crisis we've ever known, we'll do that. This is what it takes for us to actually stay at home. It's it's quite mind-boggling the repercussions that could emerge from this, but also the positive sense of solidarity and community and love that we all feel for people we haven't even met yet.
0: It's fantastic. Now, well, if you permit, I will keep updated with you throughout the coronavirus crisis and get you on again because you're a great talker. Um, <laughs> Thank
1: fascinating you. Fascinating
0: insight into life in Madrid. So I'm, I hope and I'm sure we will talk again. But for now, thank you very much indeed. That's great. Oh, thank
1: you, Adrian, and good luck with the podcast series. I think it's a great idea.
0: That's Noel Acheson, and we'll hear from her again over coming weeks as the coronavirus crisis unfolds. Stay tuned for other episodes by following me on Twitter at Goldberg Radio. And wherever you are in the world, if you've got a story to share, just drop me an email to goldbergradio at gmail.com. Thanks very much indeed for listening.